This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast, because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. Listen along to learn three ways to end a fight and make up. To follow along with the show notes and for additional content, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash end fight. What happens when two people are working together to fix up a house? You know, inevitably, there's going to be some disagreements in style. Maybe it's color scheme or maybe it's the way it's set up or the decorations or even the layout that could disagree on. Marriage is a lot like that. With two people working together, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be things that you don't agree with. In fact, two people that are very different. In fact, most of the time, most people that I know marry the exact opposite of, of their own personality, of the way they are. They find someone, whatever that's attractive to us, someone different than we are. Consider the following. God made men and women different biologically, chemically, and emotionally. It's in these differences that generate like a natural curiosity that we have toward one another. But these same differences can cause conflicts in your relationship. Two people are defined by their life events and circumstances. They all add up to make you who you are as an individual. They make you unique. The things that happen to you, the things that you experience, the choices that you make, the things in your life, they make you have the perspective, they they make you the individual that you are. And this can make your point, your viewpoint, unique to that of your spouse, and it causes conflict. You look at things one way because of your circumstances and the things that you have been through, and your spouse has a whole different set of circumstances. And then your personality makes you unique. It's one thing that most obviously displays your uh, differences are in your personalities. Now, I am an introvert. I'm like textbook introvert. If you wanted to find out what an introvert is, just follow me around for a little bit. I am like a completely introvert. It takes so much of me to do what I'm doing right now, to put myself out there like this. It takes a lot for me because I'm an introvert. So guess who I fell in love with? I fell in love with an extrovert because I saw in her all these things that I didn't have. I mean, she was so outgoing and everybody loved her. My wife is the type of person, she walks into a room and the whole room changes. I mean, the whole atmosphere. I mean, everything can just be dead and quiet. And she walks in and everybody starts smiling and laughing. She just changes everything. I'm not that way at all. I'm an introvert. I'm totally opposite. So guess what I did? I went and found someone who was totally different than me, my wife. And we got married. We, I fell hopelessly in love. But those same things that make us different, that drew us to each other, can also cause conflict in our marriage and cause things to cause friction and disagreements. Fights are inevitable. Disagreements are inevitable. But it's how you respond to those things. It means everything to your marriage and your love life. How you respond to your disagreements That's what determines what happens. Not necessarily having a disagreement, not necessarily having a fight, but how you respond to that disagreement or how you respond to that fight. Three ways to end a fight and to make up. Number one, use the power of compliments. Use the power of compliments. 
In the book of Revelation, God writes these letters with the intent of criticizing seven churches. And one of those churches that he criticized is the book, is uh, the church at Ephesus. And we find this in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 2. Listen to what God says. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my sake has labored and has not fainted. And he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Notice the way God addresses the church, which obviously he loves, right? He addresses the church in this way. He begins by complimenting her. He compliments her first. He says good things about the church. And then he tells him, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. I'm going to criticize you now. You have left your first love. And then he, he ends it with another compliment. It's like right there stuck in the middle, right there buried in this, in this passage of Scripture. God puts a criticism in the midst of all these compliments. So there's a principle here in criticism. When you criticize your spouse, you also offer compliments. You see it in the Scripture. You see the principle. God loved the church. He's rebuking them. He's giving them criticism, but he lays out a principle. This is how you do it. You don't just criticize. You also compliment. And so that's a way to deal with your spouse. Don't just criticize. Compliment your spouse. Everything your spouse does is not wrong. Guess what? (laughs) Everything they do is not wrong. They do some things right. Sometimes we can spend so much time criticizing each other. It's like you ignore the good things that your spouse does. It can drive your relationship apart. It can isolate you and your spouse. It's it's like when you ask yourself the question, you've you've heard it so many times. Is the glass half full or half empty? Well, it depends on how you look at it, right? We do that to our spouse. We just see the half empty. We don't see that it's half full, my spouse does good things. There are good things that my spouse does. And by, compliment, by recognizing those things and complimenting our spouse, it makes the criticism a lot easier to swallow. And it makes it a lot more meaningful to your spouse. It's sad but true that sometimes you don't realize what you have until you lose it. And it's that way in marriage. Sometimes we don't realize what the good things that our spouse does until they're gone. Then we realize, hey, it should have been this way. I missed this or my spouse always did this for me. But sometimes we don't realize things until they're gone. The husband who feels like he does nothing right at home. Guess what happens when he finds someone at work that appreciates what he does? His wife doesn't show him appreciation. So he finds someone at work that shows him appreciation. And then the wife who never hears how pretty she is from her husband, guess what happens when she hears how pretty she is from someone else? All of a sudden, the temptation to seek, seek those compliments outside of marriage becomes a real thing. Because if you focus on only the things that your spouse needs to do and all those things that your spouse needs to fix and not the good things that you do, you never recognize the good that they do, then you're hurting your marriage Practice complimenting each other. 
Make a commitment before you criticize your spouse that you'll compliment them first. Okay, before I criticize, before I say what I'm about to say, I'm going to offer a compliment. I'm going to say something good about my spouse before I say what I'm about to say. Now, your spouse, as much as they probably deserve the criticism that you're about to get, let's just be honest, they probably deserve some credit for the things that they do right. Chances are they do plenty of things that are good. You just have to recognize those things that they do. What do you have to lose by complimenting your spouse? You you can go out of your way. Go out of your way to compliment your spouse. Think of something they do and to compliment. Here's some practical ideas, and I'll have this on our website when I get this up. But if you like, you can go to the website and you can subscribe to email and you get, if you check email, I know I get swamped with email, but I do check my email, but it'll automatically send you an email. So when I get the notes done, you get it straight to your email box and you can read it then. This is a little chart that I made up. And once I have that up, you can see it there. But examples of compliments that you can give to your husband. These are things your husband would really like to hear, okay? And I know that because guess what? I'm a husband. So these are some things that your husband would like to hear. Thank you for working so hard to take care of our family. Why, that is a great compliment that you can give to your husband. So when he comes home from work and he's tired and he's aggravated from a long day at work, instead of hitting him up with a criticism, you could instead hit him up with a compliment. Thank you for working so hard to take care of our family, when he realizes this is done in sincerity, then you have some criticism when it's time to offer criticism. When you do give him a little bit of criticism, he'll think about it more. It's not just like you're coming at him. It's like you're giving him a compliment. You appreciate what he's done. How about this? You are a great father to our children. Thank you for being so thoughtful. How about recognizing when your husband tries to do something for you? How about the yard looks nice after he's worked on it? Hey, the yard looks great. You did a great job on the yard. It looks so nice out there. Instead of your husband's been outside, he's working, he's cutting the grass, and he's hot and sweaty and tired, and he's weed-eated, and he comes in, and now you're going to criticize him over something that he hasn't done. Well, why don't you just say, it looks great out there. You did a great job. Offer a compliment. How about this? I appreciate you for staying faithful to me. You could also say this. I admire you for fill in the blanks. All guys like to be admired. If you say my wife says I admire you for this. I feel like I'm 20 feet tall. I mean, I'm ready to take on the world, but I admire you for fill in the blanks. And for the wife, examples of ways you can compliment her. How about this? You look so beautiful today. Your wife takes time to look nice. You could recognize that she looks pretty today. She would appreciate a compliment like that. Thank you for cooking such a great meal. Right. Instead of complaining about everything and sitting there and thinking about all the stuff you wish your wife did and all the things that your wife doesn't do. Why don't you thank her for what she does do? Thank you for cooking a great meal for our family. Or you are the best wife a man could ask for. How about that's a great compliment to give to your wife. Thank you for taking good care of the house. I appreciate you for staying faithful to me. Or how about this? My wife really likes it when I do this. I say, I love fill in the blank this about you in a specific thing. I love the way you laugh. I love the way you smile. I love the way your eyes look. You fill in the blank. That's ways that you can compliment your spouse. These are things that you can do. Maybe you have other ideas. If you have other ideas, I'd be glad. If you want to share it with me, I'll be glad to put it on the website or share it with the class. 
But these are ideas, things that you can do to compliment your spouse. Offer compliments. Condition your mind to compliment instead of criticize. You can overwrite the negative tendencies in your mind by consciously making the effort to have positive thoughts about your spouse. When you have a negative thought, when you're ready to criticize your spouse, when you're ready to say something bad to them, stop for a second and think about something good. You can actually reprogram your mind. So when you see your spouse, you're not thinking about all the things they've done wrong. Think about the things that they've done that are good. Condition your mind to compliment instead of criticize. Replace it with something positive about your spouse. And then if you still feel the need to criticize constructively after you've complimented your spouse, you can do that. But compliment them first. Just like Jesus did the church, he offered compliments to them. Number two, know when to talk and not to talk. Know when to talk and not to talk. You know, anybody who's been married for any length of time can tell you this, that when you say something, thing that matters, it matters when you say it. When you say something is absolutely critical to what's going on. Saying the wrong thing at the wrong time is like throwing a match on a gasoline-soaked marriage. I mean, you can say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Having the right timing in what you say. Timing is everything. Consider the timing of your criticism or the negative conversation that you're intending to have. Is this the best time to criticize my spouse? He's been at work all day. He's probably been, if he's like me, he's been criticized by his boss all day. And now he comes home and he just needs a chance to relax a little bit. Maybe that's not the right time to offer criticism to your spouse. Timing is everything. You may want to just be blunt. And sometimes it's just blunt with guys in particular. It's just usually works best just to be blunt. Is it okay if I offer criticism right now? I don't feel like talking about it right now. This is not a good time for me. Maybe we can talk about it later once, I've, once my nerves have calmed down, once I've calmed down from having to deal with the traffic on, on my way home from work or all the things I've had to go through from work. Maybe after I've had a little bit of time, we can talk about it, but I'm just not up to talking about it right now. Wives are a little bit different. You know, one thing you can do that I do to my wife sometimes, if I want to know if I need to talk to her about something serious, if I touch her, and it kind of tells me what mood she's in, right? If I touch her and she turns away, that's probably a sign that we should not have a serious conversation right now. I have probably inadvertently done something, or maybe she's having a bad day or Whatever's going on, but when I, just reaching out and touching her tells me a lot about what kind of mood she may be in. I think sometimes women are not as blunt as men are. Men, you just have to be blunt with us sometimes. Just say, can I criticize you right now? Can we talk about something? Can we have a conversation? Can we take a time out? It's in the middle of the game. I can't take a time out right now. Give me time. Give, give me maybe later we can talk about this. With, with ladies, it's a little bit different. You have to try to figure it out. We have to try to guess what they want. And sometimes by touching, it tells you a lot about how she feels and what kind of state she's in at the time. And maybe you can talk about those things constructively after you have offered some compliments to your spouse and maybe made, fixed whatever it is you may have done wrong or 
maybe allow you after you've allowed your spouse time to wind down a little bit or maybe it's a time when they have a lot on their mind and they just need a chance to think about those things. How about this? Take turns talking and listening. Take turns talking and listening. We've all been there when you get so angry and you're so passionate about what you're saying that you won't let the other person finish what they're going to say. I want to defend myself. I want to make my point. And when someone is criticizing me, I want to stop them right there. You stop right there. Now I've got something I need to say. Nope. Let your spouse finish what they have to say. Take turns talking and listening, even when you're mad. Even when you feel like, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't right. That one thing you said wasn't right. Just listen to everything they have to say. There may be something else in the story that you need to know that will put things into context. These types of conversations can quickly turn into a shouting match. Make your mind up before you get in this type of conversation that you're going to take turns listening. I'm going to I'm going to let my wife speak. And then when she's done speaking, I'm going to wait a second to make sure she's done. And now I'm going to speak and say what I have to say. Listen to your spouse until they're finished talking. There might be something there. Despite the fact that you are angry and your spouse is angry, there might be some truth into what they're saying. And if you let them finish what you're saying, you may realize, hey, wait a second. I have not been what I need to be. I have really messed up here. And by listening to what they have to say, it puts reasoning and purpose in your conversation. You may discover something about the situation that you may have been completely unaware of. I had no idea that what I was doing upset my wife that much. But because I stopped to listen to everything she had to say, now I know that what I was doing was that. Or you may say, well, I had no idea that the way I was talking to my husband made him feel the way he feels. But by listening to him, by giving him a chance to speak, you find that out. You have a constructive conversation. So take turns talking and listening. Talking and listening is critical to any relationship. You know, in your relationship with God, it is important not only to talk to him in prayer. It's really important to talk to him in prayer, right? But it's also important to give him opportunities to speak to you. I come to church because I want to give God a chance to speak to me. I read my Bible because I know that I need to give God a chance to speak to me. I listen to sermons because I know that I need to give God a chance to speak to me. It's like he has to have his turn. And a lot of people are like that in their Christian life. They just talk to God. They just tell him all their problems and everything they want him to fix. And they never give him a chance to speak back to him, speak back to them. You speak. You give God a chance. Give him the opportunity to speak back to you. You have the expectation sometimes that God should listen to you, but then you don't give him a chance to talk back. Marriage relationship is the same thing. You know, if you want to have a happy and successful marriage, then you need to have open and realistic conversations. You need to listen to your spouse and you need to talk. You may find out that what you're fighting about may not be what you thought it was about to begin with. If you stop to listen, if you take turns, take turns. Number three, 
Let go of your anger as soon as possible. Let go of your anger as soon as possible. The Bible gives some pointed principles about anger that apply particularly to marriage. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the Bible says this, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. The principle here is to not hold your anger too long. In this case, basically what God is saying, don't go to bed angry. If you're having an argument with your spouse, if you're arguing and you're having a disagreement, don't go to bed angry. Let it go before you go to bed. There comes a point where you just have to let things go. You know, even though your spouse may have said things in the heat of the moment that they probably didn't really mean, and even though you probably said some things in the heat of the moment that you didn't mean, there comes a point where you just have to let it go. You just have to forgive your spouse. You can waste time and energy in your mind and be all upset and angry about what's going on, or you can just let those things go. Don't allow your anger to turn into bitterness. You know, there's a real danger in not fighting. If you hold on to things that you're angry about without confronting them with your spouse, you develop resentment. And that resentment can turn into bitterness in your life. You could develop deep resentment for those things. There's nothing worse in marriage than being bitter at each other. When you feel resentful about something that's happened or your spouse has done, you have to learn how to let those things go. And sometimes letting those things go means talking about those things, discussing those things. And once you become bitter, it's incredibly hard to get out of the bitterness. It's incredibly hard once you get bitter to not be bitter anymore. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, looking diligently Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Root of bitterness. Just a little simple root of bitterness can make your life miserable. A simple root of bitterness can make your marriage miserable. But make the commitment before you go to bed each night, before you go to bed, that you're going to make things right with your spouse. And so tomorrow will be a new day. That's the great way that God has set up our lives, that you sleep and tomorrow is a new day. It's like hitting the reset button. Making up is fun to do. The secret to a happy marriage is not avoiding having conflict and and disagreements, like I said. It's how you respond to those things. And to be honest, one of the most intimate things about marriage is that times when you make things right. Now it's time to let go of the anger and to forgive each other. Now you've made amends. You act like the fight never happened. It's like, again, like my relationship with the Lord. I've done some things wrong. I failed him. I make the try to make those things right. I get the process of making those things right. And he acts like it never happened. There's things that he's dealt with me about the last few weeks. I'm making the effort to make those things right. But he treats me like I've never done those things. Letting things go in your marriage. There's a joy in making things right. There is joy in marriage when you fight of making those things right. If you never had a fight, you would never know the joy of making things right with your spouse. In summary, three ways to end a fight and make up. Number one, use the power of compliments. Number two, know when to talk and when not to talk. And number three, 
Let go of your anger as soon as possible. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.